0: You know, I think that was an amazing prayer. Not that I'm a judging of prayers, but just the words that Danny used about being distractions. Every one of us walk into this place with distractions the week, the month, areas that uh, we've experienced conflict, scenarios that we wish weren't happening. And we love to come into a place where we can recalibrate. So every Sunday at 10 o'clock, we try to provide a place where you might not be distracted. Where you might, for a few moments, be able to focus, be able to be encouraged, to be able to be strengthened. And if you've been part of our fellowship, for 40 weeks, we have spent... Time in the gospel of John. We've had an opportunity, although he's only written 21 chapters, to be able to dig in and to be able to hear an apostle's perspective, one that literally lived with him for three years, saw him do the miracles, and actually recognized that his life was transformed. So transformed. He just wanted to talk about his Savior. He wanted to make sure that everybody who could believe. Because the abundant life is an amazing life. It's not easy. But to have God walk with you, live in you, guide you, direct you, comfort you, in spite of the storms, it's an amazing thing. And that's literally what the Apostle John wanted to do. John wanted you to understand his Savior, his God. And if I'm honest, way back when we started this series, you're thinking about chapter 21. You just are. It's, it's a text that will jump out at you in some ways. It will convict you. It will guide you. But if we look at this, this really, well, all the big things in Jesus' life, they're done. The Last Supper, the garden, the trial, the beatings, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, that's all past. It's all done. Jesus makes his third visit to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. Father, would you teach us today, we love the way that you love us, but you show it in so many different ways. Lord, build our faith today. Give us an understanding of a mission. And would you, Father, just give us wings in spite of what we're wallowing in right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start reading in John chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, If you don't, you can follow along on the screen up here. Chapter 21, the last chapter in John. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon and Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too," they all said. So they went out the boat, and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. We all know after looking at Peter, that Peter was a man of action. He really was. But what's so odd, even after going through... All that he did, and even meeting at least two times the resurrected Lord, he was a little confused. Things weren't happening perhaps as fast as he had hoped, so he decided to go back fishing. Now the first hint we have that something wasn't right was the disciples' location. They were no longer at the mountain that Jesus specifically commanded them to wait for him. But they had gone down to the lake. We don't know what Jesus was feeling as he stood in that sand. I don't know if he was disheartened. He had met with them. He had poured his life into them. He recruited them. He was there through thick and thin And he told the disciples to wait for him. And where are they? In a boat, fishing. Fishing was not a bad thing. We know that. It was a great way to make a living, at least right there in Israel. But fishing was not what God had called them to do. One of the things you're going to find out in ministry, no matter what it is, is that finishing is hard. One of the hardest things you can teach your children as they grow up in your house is don't start 27 things and let them lay around. Finish it. It's an unbelievable character quality that you can help your kids understand. And Jesus really does the same thing. He says, you know, I've called you to do ministry, I've equipped you to do ministry, I want you to finish. But they decided that wasn't that important, we're going to go fishing. So his leadership team was out on a boat fishing for fish. Remember though, Jesus was clear from the moment he recruited his disciples. He basically said, let's fish for men together. In Mark chapter one, starting at verse 16, one day as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon in his butter, butter, and his brother, Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, "Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people." Verse 18, and they left their nets at once and followed him. You know, the church's mission continues to be fishing for men with Jesus. I'm telling you, this is so amazing. Let's look at this. Look at verse 5 and 6 of chapter 21. He called out, Jesus called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. In our text, an unidentified man is standing on the beach. These seasoned fishermen are starting to head toward shore. The dude literally they don't know who this is at the moment they find out it's jesus in a little bit and and peter just about goes crazy he's so excited but at this point they didn't and and he asks, hey guys you catch anything no not (laughs) bad night bad night hey throw your nets on the right side one thing they didn't know who the guy was secondly are you serious so eight feet are going to make a difference in this fishing adventure. But they did it. And as soon as they did it, unbelievable catch. Things started to go quickly at this moment. All right? Jesus was reinforcing a lesson that he already taught him. Mark's account is very short and sweet. You get a better picture in Luke chapter 5 of what happens in this whole area. A little bit longer scenario, but the truth is this. Is that they were amazed at the catch in the very beginning of their relationship with Jesus. And they were amazed at the catch right at the very end of this physical relationship with Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said this to Simon, Don't be afraid. Again, I know you caught so many fish right now, this is blowing your mind. From now on, though, you're going to be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus did not mince his words. He said, In your old life, you were fishermen, you got fish. He Since you're going to follow me, you're going to fish. You are. But you're not going to fish for fish. You're going to fish for men. Now, I don't know how many of you have even thought through those words or literally what that actually means. But we're going to dig in just a little bit today. Because when the disciples fished without Jesus' input they came up with nothing. When they fished with Christ's direction, there was abundance. From the very beginning, Jesus was teaching them, if you listen to me, if you obey me, I will take care of those needs. Now here's what's really cool. And I'm not so sure some of you have caught this. But fishing is kingdom language. Let me explain. Fishing is taking one thing called fish from one realm to another. They're taking them from the sea, which had the reputation of being filled with chaos and death and darkness and bringing them into a boat. Symbolism was huge in the first century. Jesus chose his words carefully all the time. That's why it's such a blessing to literally dig in and study God's word. Because every word has a purpose. Nothing was done casually. Nothing. Nothing. Paul uses this same language in Colossians chapter 1 in verses 13 and 14 this is what paul says for he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness he took us from the sea of chaos and brought us to another realm and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son that's what jesus did who purchased our freedom and forgave sins. If you remember way back in John chapter 6 verse 44, Jesus taught them that nobody could come to him unless the father draws him. It's the Greek word helko. And all that simply means it's the same word that's used in drawing up a net. Jesus used these words all the time. So in John 21, verse 6, Helco was also used of the disciples drawing in their fishing nets. The fishing expedition illustrates how Jesus will draw people to himself through the mission of his followers. This is critical. But this is so much more amazing than being personally justified. Although forgiveness is pretty amazing. Jesus never saw the redemption package as get rescued and do life alone. God is very concerned about everyone's spiritual state. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, on His work and the cross, He took your debt. The scriptures say you have been transferred from death to life. It's called justification. It happens immediately. It's amazing. But Jesus just didn't focus on, hey, just go catch the fish. He didn't. This is an invitation to join the community of God. You're going to leave one kingdom for a different kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God often. He said from the very beginning, the kingdom of God is here. Repent. Change your way of thinking. And join me. You don't do life alone. He is changing all the price tags. He is focusing on what it means to be part of this new realm, this new kingdom. You know, he focused on the kingdom in his Sermon on the Mount. The longest message that Jesus preached is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And most of you know it as the Sermon on the Mount. But right in the very beginning, in chapter 5, in verses 13, 14, and 16, Jesus uses this term. And so many of us use it. And so many of us might misunderstand it. So let me try to clarify. He says you, if you're part of this kingdom, are salt. You bring seasoning, flavoring. There's a whole lot of things that salt does and you're salt he also says this you are like a city okay we might skip over that one just a little bit and what does that mean like i'm a city and i uh uh, i'm not sure of all those things and then lastly he goes this he says let your light shine You know, it's really hard in English, and Mimi, you'll never, you'll struggle in this one, okay? But unless you're from the South, you never know when you is plural. Do you know that? If you're from the South and someone comes to you and says, You all come for dinner, you know that a crowd is coming. Well, up here in the North, we say, You come to dinner. We don't know who you're talking about. You're talking about me. You're talking about all my friends. Who who are we talking about? But it's really clear in Greek. And what Jesus was saying is this. You, the church, all those who are part of the kingdom, you're salt. You're an amazing additive, preservative, seasoning. And he says, you are like a city, a city. And I want to just focus on this just a little bit because Jesus talked about this often, calling us to be an alternative city, a a community of the king where life is different, one where money or looks or power or stuff or authority, they're not idols. People who are part of this city, the kingdom city, view money differently than those who aren't. They view time differently. They view view gifts differently. But one that follows a different king, one who has changed all the price tags, were the greatest... Among us is really a servant. How ridiculous is that? And the humble and dependent upon God are applauded. Outside this city, it's the arrogant that seem to win. Outside this city, it's those that push their way, it's not those that serve. So Jesus was absolutely making a huge splash. That's why, in my opinion, the church is huge. It's a community struggling well under the good rule of the king. I love that definition. Because I think life is a struggle. It's a struggle when you're in sixth grade. It's a struggle when you're twenty-six. It's a struggle when you're 66. Things happen that we don't understand. Situation and circumstances seem so unjust. And you know what's interesting to me is that oftentimes it's the time of crisis when people come to the church or want to be part of the church. And I think that's a great pleasure, I do. But realistically, if we're part of a community and things go a little dark or things go a little, well, get ornery. If you're part of a group, you're part of a ministry, you're part of a situation, my guess is is that you're going to struggle well with each other. What I think. We are a family, and we are united, and we are focused, and we are on mission. And our mission is fishing for men. Let me push this. It's inviting people into the family where we struggle well together. It's never been about a new birth and then abandon the baby. Oh man, you can get put in jail for that, folks. Right and no one would ever think of that there's safe places you can drop off a baby if you don't want one but you can't just abandon a baby all right but we at the church we forget that part we have the greatest privilege in the world to be agents of reconciliation help people come and see the king And then invite them into a community, a city that breaks all the rules out there. They love differently. They spend differently. They care for people differently. They're unified differently. They don't split off. They work through conflict. Because that's what family does. Sad to say I couldn't get a new dad as I was growing up or a new mom. I'm stuck with them. (laughs) They're stuck with me too, I know that. But the truth is, that's what family does. And out there, oh, life is hard. The most attractive thing could be the city on a hill where things are so different and people are treated so differently then they're treated out there. As we continue to see our text, you're going to read from verse 7 all the way through verse about 14 that he finally <laughs> it's Jesus. Peter jumps right into the, the water. Jesus gets there ahead of everyone else, and Jesus feeds them breakfast on the beach. But after breakfast, Jesus then illustrates the very last thing he does. He illustrates the focus of the church. Now you know if you've been around that I'm not really good as a preacher for alliteration. Like, you know, it'd be really good if I was... Smart at that and, and always had the same letter start with these amazing truths. Well, I did it this week. It was so exciting to me. I'm sitting there going, Whoa, finally, alliteration. I've made it. Okay. But the focus of the church is three F's. Three F's. Okay. And I hold up four fingers. What's wrong with that? Okay. Three F's. Uh, let's start reading at verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? (laughs) Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my sheep, Jesus told them. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything, and he does. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to go and do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you to where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death would glorify him. Jesus never stops. Our life and our death all are to glorify him, point people to Jesus, show them the hope. And then Jesus said this, and if you mark your Bibles, honestly, circle, do something on this. This is just about Christ's last words to him. Then Jesus told him, follow me. He said that in the very beginning. Follow me. So the first thing we see here is forgiveness. People of faith have been forgiven. And the primary mark of the redeemed has always been love for God. So the Lord's pointed question, do you love me more than all these? Which probably, and again, there's some discussion, but I just think it's the boat, the nets, and all the other fishing stuff. Which he went back to. Hey, uh, do you love me more than all this stuff? Because apparently you really like fishing. So do you? Well, Peter answers. Jesus wanted Peter to understand forgiveness and restoration. You know that he was told that he would deny our Lord three times. And that after he did, he just left and wept. I think Jesus' passion at this moment was to make sure he knew he was restored. It was so critical. After forgiveness, there's restoration. And this is amazing. Amazing not only for Peter, but for us. Because some of us do deny God. And some of us do make really poor choices. Every one of us. But God's grace is so big. And desires deeply for us to come back to Him. And to be restored. You see... One of the things we get to do, you've heard me use the term agents of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, the apostle writes this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. He's been transferred from the sea out of the sea. New realm. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. We get to point people to the person who redeems us, gives us life. For God was in Christ reconciling the Word to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation come to God, be forgiven. Be part of a church. So we are Christ's ambassadors, making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Then Jesus said this three times, feed or tend God's sheep. He is speaking to Peter actually in front. He did not take Peter aside at this moment. Feed means a whole lot more than a meal. It is continually doing for others what God has done for us. And we do know that Peter eventually learned this. Not right here. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, we find that Peter writes to a church. Says, hey, care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Speaking specifically to elders right there, but recognizing again, hey, this is a priority. Then Jesus uses the word my, feed or tend my sheep. That's what the church does. The church feeds and cares brings nourishment, encourages people to grow. All of God's people. Some of us like working with some of God's people. He said, my sheep. I don't know what sheep are around right now. You can look around and you know who's part of this fellowship. But the truth is, if you're part of this fellowship, you need to be cared for. And lastly, sheep. Oh, how many sermons and messages have you heard about sheep? What a helpless, dependent creature they are. They really are. And sometimes we think people should know better. Why don't you understand this truth? Why don't you apply this truth? Why are you grieving? Why are you happy? Why are you. And you just put it in there, the emotion. Truth is, is that sheep need a lot of care, continually, over and over. All sheep do. Now, this is what the church does. So, well, Rick, I, I guess your next week looks pretty good. You know, God's told you exactly what you're supposed to do. You're the pastor. Ah, ah, No, no, no. This is what the church is called to do. Yes, some of us have specific roles. I get that. But this is what we get to do. Feed or tend sheep. Lastly, what does he say? Maybe most important again, follow Jesus. Follow me. Peter, follow me. This is going to be more critical than anything else you do. If you follow me, I will teach you everything you need to know. I will care for you. It's part of being a disciple. Again, way back in the very beginning of Christ's ministry in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, he called the crowd to join his disciples, the disciples that already heard this message over and over and over again. And he said this, if any of you want to be my disciple, if any of you want to be my follower, if any of you want to do that, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. You know what's interesting? Following means you're not the leader. All of us love control. We do. We love to make decisions. We love to spend our time the way we want to spend our time. We love to spend our money the way we want to spend our money. Jesus was simple. With his directive. Follow me. That means I'm always out ahead. That means you're dependent on me which way to go. I mean, don't you love it when Mimi literally says, I don't even know what Oslo is. Well, apparently it's something. And apparently God moved you, and apparently you're heading off. How cool is that? I need to lead Jesus says you need to follow you're dependent on me for everything Peter not just for the little things or not just for the big things isn't it funny we want God to make sure that we get the right spouse that's a good thing the right job that's a good thing But how about when to talk to your neighbor? Or how to care for your family? I mean, sometimes we love God in the big, grandioso things. And I hope you do. But I also think all the little detours. Don't don't some of you guys use Waze, that app? I love Waze, all right? It's one of those things where I think, Okay, you're going to get me around this traffic. I am not going to have to just sit here like everybody else. All right? Hit that button. All right, take a right turn. We're going through here, there. What? And it's hilarious, actually, where they take you. And they say, well, you'll save five minutes if you do this. I'm in there. That's fun. Let's do it. But that's who Jesus is. Even the little things. Hey, Rick, turn right up here. Well, I don't like right. That looks like a bad neighborhood. I want you to turn right. Whoa, okay. Hey, what about, Lord, I need to follow you. I need to listen to you. I need to be in sync with you. I need to be encouraged. And we need, as a church, to encourage others. This actually is an amazing thing the church offers a place to encourage people to follow Jesus not to do what you want really well you know what i i just really had to lie if i didn't i wouldn't have got the job well if you're in our small groups and you're doing life together I think one or two or eight people are going to say to you, oh, bad choice. Bad choice. <laughs> I don't have to tell my group that I lied. That's cool too. Won't help you much, but, but the truth is, this is what we do. Well, I don't want people meddling in my business. You know, one of the funniest things is this. The Bible talks about money like crazy. You know what happens though? No groups and nobody talks about money. They don't, because it's private. I think one of the greatest things you can talk about is, hey, how much do you make, how much faith do you have, and how much do you give away? What do you need to live on? Oh, Rick, you are meddling. I am not meddling. I'm not asking you the question. I'm just telling you it's a good question to ask. Okay? because we do life together how do you know how much to save and how much not to you know how do you do that how do you walk with god in these ways will you talk about it hopefully you talk about it you know with your loved ones (laughs) but talk about it with more because there are so many warnings from the bible against greed do you know that Oh, I'm not a greedy person. Well, actually, every one of us are greedy people if we don't listen to God and how we spend our money. Because we will always, 100% of the time, spend it on me. We will if we don't listen. Well, Rick, you know what? I have this. I'm, I'm not, honestly. I'm, I'm just saying this is what the church does, it's a community. We have an opportunity to tell people that the sea is full of chaos and the sea is full of hard things. And you need someone to walk with you. You need to be able to join a new kingdom and have a king that's unbelievably amazing. And to join a city of people who follow this king. Oh. That is so cool. So my question is this. How are we doing in this? How are we doing? How are we doing in fishing for men? How are we doing bringing them into a city? Well, Rick, I really don't think I'd want to bring the guy I just witnessed to to this church. Whew! You know, I mean, like, you know, you need to, and this, and oh, you know, oh, boy. I get it. This church is so chuck full of normal people. Your pastor, oh my word. If he could just stay on track once in a while, that would be nice. But you know what? People who walk together underneath the rule of the king, How sweet. How wonderful. Because no matter what the circumstance is, you have this confidence in God. Because God is bigger than any situation. And not only that, but you get to be surrounded with people because you're part of a small group. You're part of a family. You're part of a ministry team. We talk about better together all the time because life is better together. You cannot thrive all by yourself. Can't do it. Maybe at times. But I think we're missing out. We're missing out because, wow, maybe some of us aren't listening and following God the way we ought. Maybe we're not as loving of a group as we should be. Maybe we don't forgive people and we hold grudges more than we ought. Maybe it's just really hard for new people to become part of all the really well-established cliques that are here. Really good friendships. Nothing's wrong with that. But sometimes it's just really hard for an outsider to become part. And I don't know what all that means. Except that when someone comes to faith, the greatest and most nurturing place they should be is this church or a church like it. That they come in and they grow and they hear truth and they're prayed for. And life changes because all of a sudden they got a different family. Wow. You know, there's nothing wrong with fishing. It wasn't a respectable profession. But it is not what the Lord asked his disciples to do. They were chosen to be fishers of men. And at one time in their life, they left it all and followed Jesus. And for three years, Jesus was in their face. And for three years, Jesus loved them. And for three years, Jesus washed their feet. But Jesus was leaving And he gave us a mission. You are fishers of men. You are agents of reconciliation. You have an opportunity to tell people who are lost and dead where they can find bread and water that will satisfy. And not only that, you'll bring them into an environment, into a city that is following the king. Everybody has their flaws. But we're following the king. We're doing what the king tells us to do. How to spend the king's money. How to spend the king's time. All of this. And Jesus' perception was there was no going back. So Peter, why are you fishing? Really? You're so foolish. But, come on and sure. I'm going to graciously give you an unbelievable meal. We're going to talk about it, and I know that <laughs> you need to be reinforced. And you know what, Peter? I want you to understand what forgiveness is about. I do. I want you to understand what, what your job is and what privilege. You feed some sheep. You care for some sheep. And it might be your small group. It might be three or four other different people that you meet with. You care for them. New in a fresh way. And follow. Let's have a reputation, not of being friendly. I want to be friendly. Of being generous. I want to be generous. How about at Cross point church, all they do is follow Jesus. What does that mean? It means he's our king. He's our king. And when he's our king, our behavior changes. When he's our king, other people matter more than us. How cool. Wow. We indeed are fishers of men, and there are fish all around us. You cannot go anywhere and wonder. If we follow him, my guess is we're going to catch fish. If we follow him, there's going to be a community here on a city that's going to be so unbelievable. And when tough times happen, we walk with people. When good times happen, we celebrate with people. But we are here to catch fish. May we all be agents of reconciliation. Be able to point people to Jesus. Be able to share the good news with them. And then bring them into a place where it's a city. Where the community follows this king. Let's pray. Father, I am so amazed It's your patience. It's your love for us. I'm even confused why you choose us to be your agents, to be your ambassadors. It just seems like a dumb plan. But it's not. It's the right plan. It's the plan that forces us to depend on you for strength and wisdom and guidance. Oh, God, may we listen to you. May we respond as you respond. May you ignite us. Thank you for taking us from one realm to another. We praise these things in your son's amazing name. Amen.